And welcome back. This is our fifth installment of Baseball Broadcasters Talking Baseball. I'm Doug Greenwald, joined by the new radio voice of the Omaha Storm Chasers, Jake Eisenberg. Jake, first of all, welcome to the Pacific Coast League. The problem is we don't have a Pacific Coast League or any baseball professionally or really anywhere for the most part, at least in the United States uh, right now. So uh, you're chomping at the bit. So what are you doing to uh, stay sheltered and where are you sheltering? Well, for starters, Doug, thanks for having me. Thanks for the kind welcome, uh, both now and when it was kind of announced that, that I'd be joining the league in uh, the capacity that I am. And I'll say that it's it's really weird to kind of be in a purgatory of sorts waiting to become a part of the Pacific Coast League and the Omaha Storm Chasers and just kind of hoping that it happens uh, sooner rather than later. Um, I've been in Port Washington, New York, which is where I grew up uh, basically since – the beginning of March, uh, I was meant to move to Omaha really just a few days after the entire sports world froze. And it became pretty clear that things were going to be happening on schedule and uh, work from home was starting. And so everyone kind of hit pause. And so did I in, in terms of moving to Omaha. Uh, and I've been here in New York uh, since then. Yeah, not not exactly the April or March that uh, we had uh uh we had in mind but uh so omaha nebraska to you uh same company i know that the same ownership owns richmond um versus uh omaha now richmond and winston-salem and brooklyn some of the other places you've worked in professional baseball you've done uh, uh, a more limited role with broadcasting but with omaha uh and who knows if we'll play 140 games this year but eventually we we will that you get the whole kit and caboodle oh yeah and it's something that I'm both really excited about and really grateful for the opportunity to have. Uh, I was the number two broadcaster in Brooklyn. I was the number two broadcaster in Winston-Salem. I was the number two broadcaster in Richmond. And so for me, the opportunity in Omaha is the first opportunity that I've had in professional baseball to kind of run the show, so to speak. Uh, and it's something that I'm really looking forward to whenever, uh, whenever we get the chance to do it. And we think Omaha, and, and uh, have you had a chance to talk to uh, your predecessor, Mark Nasser? Mark and I have been buds for about 25 years. Everybody loves Mark. Awesome broadcaster, and, and uh, no doubt big shoes to fill, but have you had any communication with him? Yeah, yeah, we've chatted a little bit, and he's been incredibly gracious in kind of passing the torch, so to speak. Um, and it's really comforting to know that whenever it is uh, that I get to Omaha that he's going to be at the ballpark and in the front office and there to answer questions and help me figure out you know, what the Pacific Coast League is all about. And uh, I'm kind of hopeful that, you know, maybe he'll even join me uh, a time or two. I know that, um, you know, you do something for 19 years to, to step away and not do it at all after that uh, has got to be kind of challenging. Um, so I'm hopeful that, that he'll still be a part of it in some capacity whenever we get things going. Well, if uh, uh, if we get things going, and I know Fresno's scheduled to visit Omaha this year, so Mark can take the two of us together uh, out to lunch. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll stick him with the uh, with the bill. <laughs> I certainly but, wouldn't uh, know where to go yet. Well, Mark's got some places. So uh, the Nebraska Brewing Company—that's a good one. Maybe we'll go. Uh, maybe we'll go there. So uh, your background—I mean, you're the you're the youngin in the league now. Zach Bayrudi is coming into Reno. It's his first year in the league, but Zach has had. Uh, close to 15 years of experience of uh, uh, professional baseball. Not quite the same with you, but you're the youngest broadcaster that is in the 
league, but you've had quite a resume uh, thus far. You're probably, uh, and I say this in jest, the only guy uh, I know from Long Island or New or the New York City area who's in broadcasting who did not go to Syracuse. <laughs> yeah, I went to the University of Maryland and and very proud of it. Uh, that's not a knock against Syracuse. There, there are a bunch of guys and girls that I've met uh, across the broadcasting world that did go to Syracuse and are tremendous talents and tremendous people as well. Um, when I was deciding where I wanted to go to college, uh, I actually never applied to Syracuse. Um, and it was not necessarily because I didn't want to go there and wanted to forge my own broadcasting path. I mean, at that point, I wasn't really sure that play-by-play was something that I was going to do. Um, it was mostly because at the time that I applied to college, um, there was this thing called the Common App, which you answered a bunch of questions on this online thing, and there were a bunch of schools that subscribed, so to speak, to the Common App. So you would apply to the Common App that would then apply you to X number of schools that subscribed to that service. So it was one application for a bunch of different schools, and Syracuse was one of the schools that had their own separate application. Um, so... Basically, I had gotten into Indiana University pretty early on. They had rolling admission. Um, so I remember getting in in November. And at that point, I knew that I would go to Indiana over going to Syracuse. So I never bothered to apply to Syracuse and go through the hoops that they had created outside of this common application that a bunch of different schools use. Um, so I never applied. Well, and we know what, what a great reputation Syracuse has. Uh, setting the bar being Mark Nasser, of course. So anyway, right, but, yeah. uh, but uh, so, uh, you know, your time at uh, Maryland and uh, that's, I was actually on the college park campus uh, back in September. I went over to the, uh, I'm sorry, no, it was uh, tell you that, early March. I mean, uh, I was hoping to have seen the Maryland Michigan men's basketball game uh, when I was uh, back in that area, but uh, it was sold out because I think that was a game that they were, anticipating they would win the big 10. I know it didn't uh, quite turn out that way for them, but, uh, um, uh, but uh, I, I went over the next day. I, I've been there once to the Comcast center. Uh, I did get back over though the following day to get some pictures. So hopefully I get back over to college park, but uh, you, uh, you know, started uh, your pro career pretty much right out of college. Uh, for the most part, you are right out of college, <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, Brooklyn, New York. And uh, uh, I've been to the ballpark at Coney Island once, uh, uh, just to get a tour, Gary Perone, the uh, uh, general, uh, is he the assistant GM or GM? But uh, I know he's got a, uh, I always forget his title, but he, uh, and he's the, uh, he's the a GM. A, okay. And a, and a tremendous a, person. And yeah, so tremendous that I emailed him at 10 o'clock in the morning and he, I was out there by two o'clock that day and he said, I'll show you around. So that he certainly did on short notice. But uh, so describe a, a summer night broadcasting and your backdrop is the cyclone roller coaster and the Atlantic ocean. Well, what's funny is that I got to do that 30 some odd times during that, that summer of 2017. Um, and it was incredible. It is unlike any other ballpark I have ever been to as a fan or as a broadcaster. I mean, for starters, uh, just to have that kind of position right out of college, was something that was incredible to me, let alone that it was a team that was essentially in my backyard and also the franchise that I grew up rooting for. I grew up, you know, an enormous Mets fan 
in Port Washington, and the Cyclones are a farm team of the Mets. So to be able to see basically where their players start out, you know, Michael Conforto came through Brooklyn, guys like that, um, that was a real treat for me. But to be able to see, you know, on a given night, the roller coaster going off in the distance, you know, while there's a 2-1 pitch coming, uh, really, really cool. I think one of the most special things about MCU Park on Coney Island is during the summer weekends, um, you know, all, all minor league baseball teams have, have fireworks and stuff. Uh, Coney Island has, as a municipality, have their own fireworks shows on the weekends, but they have to be shot off by 10 o'clock per, you know, night rules or, or, or something like that. And there would be occasions where the ball game that was happening at MCU Park would go past 10 o'clock, but the fireworks had to go off, you know, down on the beach by 10 o'clock. So you could be in the seventh or eighth inning and there are fireworks happening while the game is happening. And it was exactly like that scene from the Sandlot where they're playing baseball and they start to look up and they see the fireworks and the ball's just kind of sailing and they're not paying attention to it anymore. You kind of get lost in the roller coasters and the fireworks and kind of all the neat things that make Coney Island uh, as neat as it is. Yeah, I mean, as I said, I was there just on a rainy fall day in October just to look at the place. It was actually when I was there that day was in a, I mean, you could still tell baseball setup, but they had also designed a football field on top of it because I guess there was a semi-pro team out there for that sport. But uh, no, it just seems like a tremendous place to to be in. And then, of course, you have uh, Nathan's right down the block, the famous hot dog joint. Uh, I know it's every July 4th, they have the hot dog eating contest. Now were the Cyclones home on July 4th. So the season I was there, the Cyclones were on the road. They were playing the Tri-City Valley Cats. So there wasn't an overlap between the hot dog eating contest and July 4th when I was there. And I think it's kind of every other year that the Cyclones wind up being home on July 4th. Uh, I don't know what that experience is like, but I can imagine you've got a lot of people who are already full of Nathan's hot dogs in the afternoon coming to the ballpark and getting even more Nathan's hot dogs and those awesome fries too. And, you know, it's not often in the Pacific coast league. There are guys that come through the New York pin league. Um, you're an exception, but, uh, uh, you said you didn't do all the games. Did you get to travel at all, though, with Brooklyn? Yeah, I traveled a little bit. Uh, went down to Aberdeen and up to Hudson Valley, which is only about an hour or so from uh, from Brooklyn. Uh, Staten Island is the, the Staten Island Yankees are right across the bridge. The Battle of the Bridge series um, had the chance to go up to Lowell for a series against the Spinners. Um, it, it kind of varied. It depended on when the games were and what else was going on. But I, I got to see a little bit of the league. Yeah, what a beautiful view. Staten Island has of uh, uh, the Statue of Liberty and and the uh, south tip of New York City. I've had a I've also had a chance to tour that ballpark. The New York Penn League is one of the very few uh, affiliated uh, leagues I've never seen a game. Uh, the Florida State League I've never seen a game either. Uh, but uh, no, I've heard uh, you know for the most part the travel being pretty easy there. And what a great cross section you have Brooklyn and Staten Island right there in New York City, and then you have the the, the small towns of Batavia and uh, Hudson Valley and upstate uh, uh, New York. So you talk about the fun atmosphere and the Mets atmosphere at uh, Coney Island. I, I love the uh, lobby because it recognizes the great history of, of the Brooklyn Dodgers and, you know, major league baseball in New York. But uh, like everyone, uh, you have to expand a little bit and it's part of your career is taking you down to the, the mid Atlantic. Uh, so Winston Salem, North Carolina and, uh, again, I have been to Winston-Salem a few times. I've never seen a game 
at BB&T Park, but I've, again, had a tour of that stadium. Top, talk about one of the top uh, single-A ballparks. Oh, it's beautiful. Uh, 2010, it opened, so it's, it's still one of the fairly newer ballparks in the minor league landscape. State-of-the-art, the broadcast booths are kind of right behind the first lower bowl section, so you've got a, a, a really nice line of sight. Uh, and Winston-Salem's a, a really awesome town city, you know, however you want to describe it. it it's a little over 200,000 people, but it's got a college there in Wake Forest, so it's got a, a youthful vibe, too. Um, it was great. That was a great experience, and it was one that I was really eager to have. I was really excited about being in full-time or full-season baseball for the first time when I went down there. So, again, you were doing mostly home games. Uh, did you have a chance to see anywhere else in the Carolina? Uh, one of the things that I'm actually really grateful for um, with Joe Weil, who was the lead broadcaster at the time, is he was really open to me coming on the road and doing road games, and I wound up doing at least one game at every – other ballpark in the league from Wilmington, North Carolina, all the way down to, to Myrtle Beach. So I got to see the entire Carolina League, and that includes Bowie's Creek, North Carolina, where the uh, the Bowie's Creek Astros were for a couple of years. That was an interesting place. Um, but the Carolina League, I think it, it's, it's great. I think you meant Wilmington, Delaware. Right, Wilmington, right? Delaware. Yeah, okay, I suppose Wilmington, North Carolina. Um, but uh, yeah, Bowie's Creek, that's right. The Astros had their team there for a couple of seasons. I know they have a new ballpark in uh, Fayetteville. So that is fun when you get to add all the ballparks to the to the list. And uh, I've seen a game. In fact, uh, one of your predecessors at Winston-Salem, uh, Brian Bush, I got to know. I uh, got to see a Winston-Salem uh, play a, a game at the uh, at the Mudcats uh, back in uh, 2014 at Carolina. But, uh, no, I've been to uh, – if, if I've not been to a game, I've at least had a chance to see a lot of the, the ballparks there in the Carolina League and uh, – uh, that's such a great sports area. I mean, I know you've done work at Learfield IMG and you've been involved with Wake Forest and, and Davidson, and you've been a pre and post game show host uh, uh, situated in Winston-Salem. I mean, there you talk about just a, a sports haven. Yeah, it's, it's a real hotbed. You've got all the college athletics that are coming through Learfield IMG College from around the country, all the football and basketball games. And like you said, Wake Forest, Davidson, you go 30 hours or 30 minutes east and UNCG is right there. I mean, there are a bunch of schools around that area, uh, not to mention, you know, some pro sports too. It's only about an hour and change to, to Raleigh where you've got the Carolina Hurricanes and it's about an hour and change south to Charlotte where you've got the Panthers. Um, so it, it's a really neat area in terms of baseball and professional sports and college sports. And uh, I was lucky to be there for on and off for about a year and a half. Yeah, I absolutely love that area. And I was in the Raleigh-Durham area right when everything got shut down. Uh, but uh, so I always joke with, with people about, you know, where places to go and or at least to go to eat. And we think in North Carolina and certainly barbecue. I mean, that that's mm -hmm. tops there. Uh, but Jake, I got to tell you, uh, my last trip to North Carolina and generally most of my trips to that area, I don't just go to the following place once. I might go two or three times, but Bojangles. <laughs> yeah, they've got their, their regional food just like uh, every other part of the country. Yeah. I mean, unless you're a vegetarian, maybe you don't. I don't know you well enough. Maybe you don't eat meat. I'm not sure. But uh, We're with Jake Eisenberg, new radio play-by-play -play voice of the Omaha Storm Chasers. So Richmond, Virginia, not far from... Uh, the Raleigh-Durham area, about uh, three hours, and uh, did home games there. That's the San Francisco Giants uh, AA and uh, former AAA stadium in uh, Richmond. But uh, 
how well did you get to know uh, one of the great baseball operators in Todd Parnell? <laughs> Parney is an absolute gem of a human being, and it was really special to be able to work with him day in and day out. And I, I mean, I, I learned an incredible amount from him directly and an incredible amount just watching him. And the number one thing is the amount of passion that he had for the experience every single day. And, you know, he'll tell you time and time again that we're in the memory making business. And that's something that he really takes to heart. And the amount of effort that he puts in on a day in and day out basis and the amount of work that he puts in on a day in and day out basis uh, is really inspiring. And it's something that I carry with me through that season and something that I'm carrying with me to Omaha that, you know, you have to put in the effort and it's the effort that you put in that makes the product that you're creating as special as it can be for the people that are enjoying it. And uh, I've, I've met Todd here and there. I've, uh, uh, again, Richmond, like some of these other ballparks, I've had a tour of the place. I've never actually seen a game at the the Diamond, but there's like a little uh, uh, sort of like underneath near the clubhouse. It's sort of like a, a hangout, almost like a, a sports <laughs> bar. Where Sounds Parney like you're talking out. about Parney's Pub. Parney's Pub, yeah. Yeah, Parney's Pub. So, uh, okay. So, uh, yeah, again, I've uh, you know been there in the offseason just to – to grab a look at uh, Richmond. So you go from being a number two broadcaster to being a, a lead broadcaster and uh, being in the PCL. And again, you're the young pup in the league. I don't mean as I, I go back to what I said before, uh, not because it's your first year, but it's because of uh, your age. I mean, anyway, you slice it really. Uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, do you know any of the PCL broadcasters? Now, before we get, started uh, on, on that question i'm the best looking of the group <laughs> i'm going to say that right now um you know steve clowkey in salt lake he likes to brag that he's in the group but i'm really the best looking in the group uh but you know uh, the truth you know, is Doug, on the radio we're all the best looking yeah well no i mean you see my picture i'm, I'm a good no but uh <laughs> what uh do you know any of the guys uh, in the league so i didn't really know any of the guys in the league personally uh, until somewhat recently, uh, I'd gotten in touch with Josh Sushon in Albuquerque. Um, I think it was kind of between the se- between the 2018 and 2019 seasons, and kind of reached out to him and we chatted a little bit. And I actually got a chance to meet uh, a handful of guys around the league at the winter meetings this past year in San Diego. Uh, Josh was there. Uh, Alex Friedman was there. Um, uh, Tim Grubbs was there. And uh, I apologize if I'm forgetting, you know, who else? Uh, Tim Haggerty was there as well. Um, so I got a chance to, to chat with them and, and meet them in person for the first time. But uh, ap- after that, um, we've corresponded on Twitter, sure, because everybody does that nowadays. But uh, one of the things I was looking forward to most this season was really getting to know everybody and getting a chance to see all these different places around the PCL. And that leads me to my next question is uh, how many of the PCL cities have you been? And we have no idea if we're going to, if minor league baseball will play and we have no idea what the schedule would look like, but uh, you know, if we had the, the regular schedule, I know this year uh, you would not be going uh, to Fresno, Sacramento, uh, Tacoma or Reno, but uh, of the other 15 cities in the league or really even 16, because I don't think you said you've mentioned much about you've been to Omaha much, but uh, where have you been? What, or at least I don't mean the stadiums per se, but what cities have you visited? So I've been to I've been to Omaha once before. I was there for the 2016 Big Ten baseball. 
college. I, I did a lot of play-by-play okay. and traveled with them. And that was the first year that the Big Ten tournament was held at Park in Omaha. So we were there for four days, I think. And I got a chance to explore Omaha a little bit then. But that's the only time I've been to Omaha. Um, so I've been to Omaha. I've been to Nashville. I've been to Las Vegas. And if you consider Austin, Texas, close enough to Round Rock, uh, I've been there. Um, but after that, I haven't seen or been to any of the other places in the PCL. Um, I figured it out, I guess, you know, uh, somewhat recently that there were like five different states in the PCL that I've never been to, let alone cities. And California, one of them? I've been to California, but never to Fresno or Sacramento. Okay. Yeah, and those, um, you know, both great ballparks. And, you know, I know you mentioned you've been to Omaha, but I guess you've not been to the ballpark where you'll be broadcasting. It's a little weird, isn't it? It is uh, strange. And, uh, you know, 2011 uh, was, the, of course, the first year of, uh, of uh, Warner Park. Uh, and uh, you know, Rosenblatt was uh, one of those places where, you know, it gets filled, of course, for the College World Series, not so much for pro ball, but it was a great place to call a game and certainly an old, uh, school stadium, but uh, no, Omaha is a great uh, city, and the you know the the old market right downtown, and of course the ballpark where you'll be is a bit out of town, twenty minutes or so. But uh, no, it's uh, a good uh, good area too, kind of the homey Midwest uh, feel, and uh, uh, so uh, you know here I am, and uh, I love seeing ballparks for the first time. Uh, I guess you have that excitement too of getting to see some new places for the yeah, first time. And right now I'm living vicariously through pictures of these ballparks, especially Omaha and, you know, some, some drone shots and footage from the fireworks shows that they've had a couple of times now out there uh, watching those on, on Facebook live has been, has been fun and kind of seeing what the ballpark looks like and the surrounding area looks like. Um, but I'm, I'm itching to get out there for the first time and see the ballpark. Um, I mean, in the pictures, I love yeah. how they, the walls, the outfield walls are curved and, uh, the berms on on either side. Uh, it just looks like a great, great atmosphere for a ball game. Yeah, and as I said, it's a neat place because it's a, the booth there. Uh, you're not too high, not too low, uh, and you can do the. I always like different views of the ballpark, and you can do a. Uh, not that you'll be doing this in the middle of the game, of course, but you can do the the 360, and it's very quaint and and. Uh, as I say, it's uh, you know a good place to uh, to broadcast a game. Again, joined by Jake Eisenberg, our uh, baseball broadcasters, uh, talking baseball. I'm Doug Greenwald, and uh, Jake, uh, your time at the University of uh, Maryland. I know we've touched on that uh, a little bit, but uh, uh, did you ever meet Testudo? <laughs> yeah, uh, I didn't necessarily know who was in the Testudo costume, but Testudo and I, I consider us good friends. All right, so those of you listening, Testudo is the actual terrapin or turtle. Uh, that uh, is the Maryland mascot. Now, I was fortunate enough to see uh, a game at Old Cole Fieldhouse. I know that was shut down uh, long before you got there. Uh, you had the joys of the beautiful Comcast Center, but uh, I know Cole still exists. It's still up. Did you ever get over there just to look so at it? So I've, I've never seen a game in Cole. Obviously, there, there weren't any basketball games being played there when I arrived on campus. Uh, there were a couple of comedy shows that they had in Cole Fieldhouse, um, and I did kind of take a walk through. Uh, I have also played a game in Cole Fieldhouse. Uh, they used to have, I don't know if they still do. Well, I guess now that they've renovated it, they might not. Um, but when I was a freshman, sophomore uh, time at Maryland, uh, they had intramural soccer inside Cole Fieldhouse. 
So even though I've never seen a game there, I've played a game there. Not very well, but it was still a cool experience. Well, it's cool. I mean, you've I've only watched a game there. You've played a game there of some sort, so that's uh, that's pretty impressive. And uh, uh, the Big Ten, uh, Maryland now uh, had was Maryland all the four years you were there in the Big Ten, or was there maybe one year they were still in the my ACC? My freshman year, Maryland was in the ACC, and they switched to the Big Ten this summer between my freshman and sophomore years. So, uh, uh, how did that go over, really? On uh, you know, with uh, with the alumni, I mean, the Maryland in the ACC was such a staple, and it's still strange to think that when Maryland plays Nebraska appropriately, <laughs> and Nebraska, that that's a Big Ten game, or when Maryland sure. plays Purdue, that's a Big Ten game. Uh, but what was that transition like? Well, there are still people that you'll talk to that kind of lament that the old ACC rivalries aren't there in the same way as they were before. Um, for me as a student, the move to the Big Ten couldn't have been a better thing. Uh, not only was I a little bit maybe more aware of Big Ten schools coming down from the Northeast and having some friends that went to other Big Ten schools, but with the move to the Big Ten came um, BTN Student U, which was basically a, a student production for all of these different broadcasts. Uh, and there was some internal production at Maryland before the move to the Big Ten, but after the Big Ten and having uh, BTN Student U and BTN Plus kind of arrive, I had the chance to call field hockey, volleyball, soccer, baseball, softball, you name it, for BTN Student U and get some real kind of production television uh, broadcasting experience that I don't know that I would have had otherwise. Uh, so the move to the Big Ten couldn't have been better for me in terms of my broadcast development. And that's something that, I mean, I'm extremely lucky that happened at the time that it did. Yeah, and I mean, I've certainly watched the Big Ten Network, and uh, it's been a great stepping stone for for so many, or specifically the role that uh, that you had uh, there. Going back to your time uh, growing up on Long Island, you mentioned you're a Mets fan, and uh, you know the Mets have had a great tradition of uh, broadcasters. I mean, I was very fortunate to get to know, uh, uh, and I know it was a little before your time, but uh, the late Bob Murphy, uh, the Hall of Famer Bob Murphy, and certainly Lindsey Nelson and uh, Ralph Kiner, and all those guys are. Uh, you know, in the Hall of Fame uh, in one capacity or another. And again, I know that was before you got uh, really going in life, but uh, uh, Howie Rose, Gary Cohen, obviously the, the likes of Ron Darling and uh, Keith Hernandez uh, and guy that I know quite well, Wayne Randazzo, all part of the, the Mets broadcast uh, crew. But I can just picture, you know, uh, a nice night on the, the lawn on Long Island when you were growing up or maybe out on the beach, out on Fire Island, having the radio and having – a guy like Gary Cohen or, or Howie Rose come through the uh, airwaves. Oh, yeah, and listening to, to those, you know, all of those broadcasters and those broadcast teams, uh, that's that's what I grew up listening to. And I think that, you know, I mean, the first time that I had the chance to call a home run, uh, the first baseball game I called was at Maryland. And I think the first home run I called, I mean, it was terrible. Let's get that out of the way first. But I think I, I, think I said, uh, it's out of here. And I, I know I said it's out of here because I remember talking to my dad after, and he told me that that had happened. And in the moment, it wasn't something that I was conscious of. But afterwards, you know, it dawned on me that, like, you know, wow, there's there's the influence of Gary Cohen in action. Me saying, you know, it's out of here for the first home run I see that instinctively those are the words that come to mind. So, you know, the, the people that you listen to when you're growing up, uh, they have an outsized influence on who you become as a broadcaster and as a person in some ways too. I mean, the sense of humor and the wit that, that Howie Rose brings to a broadcast is unparalleled. 
Uh, and it's it, they're they're joys to listen to when whenever I get the chance. Yeah, and Howie Rose, um, you know, I remember listening to him back when WFAN started back in the late. Uh, this would be probably before you were born, back in the late nineteen eighties. <laughs> um, by the way, what year were you born? I'm guessing what ninety five. Yep, nineteen ninety five. Man. Anyway, well, long before you were born. And, <laughs> you know, you know, it's I mean, funny, Doug. You, you asked a bunch of us the other day on Twitter the last uh, spring or last April that we had experienced without baseball as being like a part of our lives, and I was looking through the replies, and uh, I I felt incredibly young. And that's not yeah. that's not to yeah, date that's not to date anyone else. Uh, it, it was more of like a wow. I have not seen anything compared to these guys. And and as I say, wait till you meet uh, Mike Caps or Steve Clowkey and Steve Selby uh, uh, or Mike Sager. Uh, they'll uh, uh, they have me schooled. So you know it's uh, uh, but uh, no, it's going to be a great cross section. It is a great cross section of guys in the in the PCL. But the thing about Howie Rose, he used to host Mets Extra on WFAN uh, so before he got into uh, doing Mets play by play. And I mean, here's a guy that I mean, Howie Rose uh, could write the Mets encyclopedia without having to look anything literally up. a Mets fan from day one. And, you know, there's not a lot of broadcasters who grow up loving a team and then getting to broadcast for that team. I guess I, I believe Gary Cohen did grow up a Mets. So I know Gary's a New York guy uh, and I should know whether or not he grew up a Mets or Yankee fan, but I know he grew up in New York and obviously Howie, but Howie Rose, I definitely knew grew up a, a, a Mets fan. And uh, yeah, the, I mean, between those two of, of the the knowledge and of the Mets is just uh, amazing. What do you miss most? Now I know you don't really have a lot of uh, experience as a guy that's done 140 games, but you've done enough to get to know the routine of uh, being at the ballpark. And I've always said that, uh, uh, and I know you've not done a ton of games on the road, but you've done a little bit. So there's that routine where you get up, you grab lunch, sure. you prep, you go to the ballpark, you prep a little more, you're at the batting cage, game's over you might go out with the guys after the game. It's a muggy night in the Carolina league or a, a nice uh, calm night up in upstate New York. But other than the art of play by play, forget the nine innings. What do you miss the most about not having baseball right now? I was thinking about that recently and thinking about that a lot, especially, you know, just a few days ago, it dawned on me that it's been a month since the season was supposed to start. And it kind of feels like it simultaneously has flown by and it's been the longest month in the world. I don't really know how that's possible, but both things are true, at least for me. Um, and I, I had the chance to do right around 100 games with the Squirrels last year and a little over 100 with the Dash the year before. Um, so that's not all of the games, but it's a good amount uh, of road games and enough to kind of understand the ebbs and flows of life on the road in minor league baseball and at home. And I mean, aside from the travel and the exploration of these new places that you might not visit otherwise, I came to the conclusion that one of the things that I missed the most every day was just going to batting practice and hanging out on the cage and listening to, you know, the crack of the bat, listening to the guys joking about this or that and the coaches giving pointers here or there or, you know, ribbing some players for X, Y or Z. Um, the, the light camaraderie around a batting cage on a nice day at the ballpark, you know, a few hours before first pitch when there may be some other things going on, but you've made it a point to be there and watch and listen and enjoy. I really, I miss, I miss going to batting practice. I miss watching batting practice. 
yeah, I mean, that's all part of it. You got a lot of dirt there from the guys and no pun intended. And, you know, the, uh, just everything, the camaraderie, as you mentioned. And of course in the PCL, you're going to experience what's like to, uh, to fly, sure. you know, where you're going to be next to next to guys or being in the airport with them. And you, that's really where you get to know the guys the best is on the road. Uh, but yeah, you mentioned it, uh, during batting practice and the, and the answers I've got from some of the other guys I've interviewed have been a great cross section. You know, you're talking about missing batting practice the most. And then there's that six to six forty five slot where you're in the uh, food room, the media room, talking to the scouts or, uh, talking to the other broadcaster or, or other people like that, or, you know, where you walk, or maybe some have answered, they get to the ballpark at three thirty, and it's getting to talk to the, um, stadium operations people or the the ushers who get to the ballpark around five o'clock with the rest of the game day staff. That's all part of it. I mean, the nine innings is a given. We live for that, but there's so much else. Uh, sure. I mean, all all those it, things that you it, mentioned, it all it all boils down to the relationships of baseball. And I think that all of us definitely more than anything else miss the relationships, the conversations, the hellos, the high fives, the the jokes, um, off the air and on the air. And, and that's the biggest void. It's not just, you know, between each other before games, you know, exchanging notes in the booth or, you know, with stadium ops people before games or afterwards, but also, you know, the relationships that you make with the fans that you see at the ballpark every day who are arriving early, you know, right as batting practice is ending or season ticket holders and things like that, or people that'll just chime in and reach out to you um, while they're listening or after they're listening or that you kind of just meet along the way. It's the relationships above anything else that I miss the most. And I think many broadcasters would agree with that. Yeah. I always love um, usually from six to maybe six fifteen, well, maybe a little longer, but usually I'll go down um, maybe from five forty-five to six fifteen. I'll go down, say hello to our fans or I'll go by the uh, gift shop um, to say hello to the, the workers in there. I always like chatting with the umpires before the game. I'll go down to their locker room to uh, say hello to them and, you know, uh, ask about a certain play maybe from the night before. I learn a lot from those guys. But, yeah, it's usually that 5.45 to 6.15. And then I get back up to the press box, and I still have another half hour before I go on the air and where I can still grab dinner and finish up notes and talk to the other broadcasters or scouts. So that's all uh, part of it. Well, Jake, uh, hopefully we'll have the chance to shake hands uh, this season, but uh, yeah, or at least, or at least bump elbows, and, uh, right? Most importantly, yeah, that, that's right. Uh, if we don't shake hands, we'll bump elbows or point at <laughs> one another. And, uh, uh, but uh, as I say, welcome to the league and, and uh, best of health and uh, safety to you and your Thank family. Thank you very much, Doug. Yeah. Best of health to you, your family and friends as well. That's one thing that I think has been very fortunate uh, thus far is that, the people that I hold dear and I'm close with have um, for the most part been in good health. And I, I wish that to anybody listening as well. Um, I'm looking forward to, to being a part of the league, meeting you and everyone else. And uh, I'm glad that, you know, we could have this conversation, you know, across the country uh, and hopefully we'll get to do it in person uh, sometime in the not too distant future. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm in San Francisco, you're on long Island. So what's halfway there you go. In Omaha. Next so there time go. in Omaha, Doug. But, uh, Yes. Sounds good. All right, Jake Eisenberg, the uh, radio play-by-play voice of the Omaha Storm Chasers, our 